Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. In fact, we started our assistance to Ukraine before this war began, as they started to do exercises along the Ukrainian border, the Russians, starting in March of last year. We took the threat of Putin invading very seriously, and we acted on it. We sent Ukraine more security assistance last year, $650 million in weapons, including anti-air and anti-armor equipment, before the invasion. More than we had ever provided before. So when the invasion began, they already had in their hands the kinds of weapons they needed to counter Russian advances. That's Joe Biden, President of the United States, saying that we have been the reason that the Ukrainians have been able to push back so effectively against Russian forces. Another billion dollars is now being offered up. More weaponry, including switchblade drones, which are kamikaze drones. Their job is to hover, and then when the target acquired, to literally just drop on the target, destroying it and the things around it. At the same time, he won't allow MiGs to go from Poland to Ukraine because that might lead to an escalation and might engage a provocation, be seen as a provocation or provocative by Vladimir Putin. But switchblades won't. But S-300 anti-aircraft uh, uh, missiles, right, surface-to-air missiles, which are actually Russian-created, that we're now getting to the Ukrainians. I have no problem with the arming. I really and truly don't. I have a serious problem with Joe Biden's talking out of both sides of his mouth. But the real question, of course, is what should we be doing here? What is it that we've seen so far? And how much of this is to the Ukrainians to do for themselves tony katz so great to be with you guys facebook tony katz radio find everything at tonykatz.com congresswoman victoria sparts joins us right now from the indiana fifth district full disclosure my representative to congress you know her story a ukrainian born an american story and now a member of congress and before we get into um what you heard from uh Ukrainian President Zelensky, uh, before we get into some of the things from uh, uh, President uh, uh, Biden and, and the things that he's going uh, for, uh, talk to me about what it is you're hearing from your contacts in Ukraine about the situation right now. Well, thank you for having me, Tony. Always a pleasure joining great fighter for freedom. Uh, the situation is dire. The situation is very serious. And I'll be honest with you, President Biden is talking from both sides of his mouth, and he contradicting himself. If you remember, the assessment was that they're going to fall, Ukraine going to fall in Russian hands in 48 hours. So they did provide some help for 48 hours, but that's about it. You know, so when they talk in all these different things, you know, that they did things to deter, they haven't. They haven't, you know, strengthened the eastern flank of NATO. Now they start moving a little bit. They have not really held very effective negotiations and really be proactive with sanctions. They've been reactive and the same with security assistance. Everything you do, you need to have speed, scale and strategy. And their strategy was fail, the same like Afghanistan. And now they're scrambling and trying to play a catch up. And they're not very fast at catch up because they're politically motivated people and they're afraid they don't have a backbone to deal with crisis effectively. So I think it's a challenging situation. A lot of Ukrainians are dying. 
and will continue to die and if West is not able to grow some backbone and really you know, mean what they say and actually do actions, not just tweet and have this grandstanding picture up. So let's get into what that is, because I, I, I had a couple of questions lined up for you, but, but before I get to my questions, let's do the follow-up on what you just brought up. What is the backbone that you are discussing as you see it, Congresswoman? What is it that you want the United States, whether, whether it's Joe Biden specifically or the United States military, what do you want them doing? Well, I think, you know, I mean, I can give you a great example, you know, and whether you hate it or like him, but President Trump had a very strong and great foreign policies. I mean, the things that he did in the Middle East with, and what he, how he was handling Russia was very effective. He was just not doing these grandstanding messages. He actually told Putin, you know what, you're going to again use chemical, you know, weapons in Syria, right, 80 tomahawks sitting there and they're going to fly onto your base with Russians and going to hit you out there. So he didn't do it again. He told Germany, you know what, you need to get your act together and, and need to have some more independence of, you know, on the energy independence. And he was forcing them to build liquid natural gas facilities. Then we pulled back, you know, he was holding the Nord Stream 2. He was expanding our energy resources to be able to have less dependency from everyone else on countries like Russia or Iran or Venezuela and all that stuff. So there are a lot of things he was doing. And also he was really strong because you don't know what he's going to do. And the best deterrence is strength. He's through strength. And when you don't say, oh, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. Oh, let me tweet you. Are you approving this? That's not how peace is. If you want to help people to have negotiation at the table, for peaceful resolution, you need to show your teeth and say, I mean it. I mean business. I am not going to lie to you to get into NATO countries. You should have moved to eastern flank and, you know, beef up your defenses over there before the thing started. If you're going to be talking about sanctions, you actually need to get some things done right away and show, you know what? This is going to hit you hard, and I mean business. You need to show that you mean business, because Putin is opportunist. He's not dumb. He's an opportunist. He will exploit any weaknesses of the West. I think he did underestimate the Ukrainian people, including President Biden, and it is much harder for him, and we're in much a difficult situation. But a lot of things were done wrong, so now we have to adjust and have a different strategy, and then we have to come from circumstances where we are. So we can de-escalate this conflict. It's much harder now, but at least what we can do to help Ukrainians to protect themselves, and they're not asking us to go to protect them, but they just say, you know, let's just not fight. But that conversation, Congresswoman, is coming up a lot. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the 5th District of Indiana, that conversation about we should protect them is coming up a lot. And there was President Zelensky on that video call asking again for a no-fly zone. Do you believe the United States should be engaging a no-fly zone in Ukraine? Well, it's not feasible for us to enforce a no-fly zone. We can make this statement, but Russian plane is going to fly, and what are we going to do? Shoot Russian plane will be in direct confrontation with nuclear power. It's not that's the argument. I mean, that's that's the whole conversation. Yet some people are saying we absolutely should do it. But I I happen to be uh, one of the people who agrees with you. So I think people would find it interesting that you want to engage more with trying to stop Putin, but you don't believe in the no-fly zone. And some people would say, well, that's just weakness on your part how do you respond to that well i think there are some things you know it's not just feasible to have this is it would be a direct confrontation and we don't want to right now you know to to you know 
you know, to, to create a danger to get in a nuclear war. I mean, this is a very dangerous situation, so we don't want to go there. But the things could be done effectively for Ukrainians to be able to defend their city. We could provide them defense equipment, proper military equipment. They can, they can protect themselves, these humanitarian corridors and no-fly zones. There are some things we could probably help to enforce humanitarian corridors, but we would have to get some other non-NATO countries on board. Unfortunately, most of them have been very reluctant, really, to work with us. So we don't have this NATO versus Russia confrontation. We really should have pushed on countries like China, which really in cahoots with Russia, but I think they even didn't expect the scale of invasion. So I think we need to talk to the countries like Israel, which they have their own problems too with Russia being on the border, but try to find more neutral countries, not just NATO countries, to maybe do some mechanism to enforce some humanitarian corridors and passages and safe passages because I mean, millions of people are going to die in some of the city. It's a huge crisis, and except countries like Turkey. I haven't seen anyone else stepping up to try to help with that. But it's very complicated to do. You know, we need to have a discussion on that and see if we can find allies. Unfortunately, UN is a completely worthless organization, and there are not too many allies there. But that's something that could be dealt on a narrow basis. But at this point, it's just very difficult because Russia is not agreeing anything. And until they feel more pain, they will not go to the table. I want to follow up on this, if I may, because this idea of... If you don't believe in a no-fly zone, you're you're a puppet of Putin. And if you do believe in a no-fly zone, you're just a, a, a warmonger who wants to make money for the military-industrial complex. As you see it, Congresswoman, is it wrong to discuss whether we should be engaged militarily in Ukraine? Well, I think, you know, as, as in any, you know, war and everything, you never, you know, President Trump was very smart. You never take any options off the table. But it's not smart to do things that you not, you know, it's not on the table right now to discuss. Things can change and escalate significantly. We do have a very serious crisis and war right on the eastern flank, and you know, with our allies, and that we have commitment under Article Five, and this is pretty close to us. And there are a lot of things can happen that will be a problem. That's why it's so important for us you know, to help Ukrainians not to collapse and be able to try to get some resolution to this situation sooner than later. But so I'm asking a little more specifically to the... Provoked in some ways and they say we're going to shoot a Russian plane, it's just unreasonable because ultimately this is a very serious situation and we cannot underestimate its significance, but also not overestimate that Russian, you know, Russians are so dumb that they're going to have all these nuclear countries on, you know, at least three of them right now from NATO will be on them, too. So I think we also need just to be smart, but, but things like that, we shouldn't be used very lightly. And I understand that Ukrainians are very desperate. I understand what's happening. It's just atrocity, a genocide. But we have to be honest with them and say, listen, these things are not realistic and not feasible. And, and is this, this, is this what you honestly told? Significantly. Is this what you honestly told President Zelensky that we, we have to be honest, that a no-fly zone is absolutely not going to happen, but we can send stingers, javelins, and switchblades? Well, I do not have direct communication with President Zelensky, but that's what I told their representatives and ambassadors and people that communicate with us. You know, I said, I'll be honest with you. And you have to be honest with people so they understand the circumstances. At this point, it cannot be on the table. I am not going to put 
my constituents and risk to get, you know, as an, as an American congresswoman, to get them into nuclear war. I, it's just not going to happen. And maybe some of my colleagues can do it, but that is a very small percentage. So you need to deal with that. Situation can change. A lot of things. It's a very hot situation out there. But at this point, you know, but there are some other things we can do and we should do. And we should do them faster to help them, you know, to protect themselves and protect Europe from further escalation because they're just fighting it for all of us, not for them. And we have to be honest. We cannot just be wishy-washy like in every other issue. I think, honestly, people deserve honesty and people that you consider to be your allies and friends deserve honesty. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparts of the Indiana 5th District. Uh, bef- before I let you go, um, uh, two things. Uh, this, we, we, we've heard the possibility of peace talks. If, if Ukraine promises not to join NATO, if they reduce the size of, of, of their military, no word yet on whether or not they have to reduce the arsenal of Molotov cocktails they have, um, they, giving up Donetsk and Luhansk and these areas within the Donbass, that would be enough, and then Putin would, would, would stop this invasion. This is what we're hearing. It's been reported in a couple of places. Have you heard anything like this, and do you believe that there is a deal in the offing? I think right now, you know, Russia is not serious about negotiating. Putin sense, you know, he's like retired ministers of culture to negotiate. It's not very serious. You can see Stanley Lavrov, even, you know, into Turkey, wasn't even able to negotiate humanitarian corridors. They're not even willing to do this much. So until they feel more pain and understand that it's getting much worse than they anticipated much faster and understand that they have to get to the table. They haven't been serious about actually having negotiations. And I hope we also have been, have a serious intention to have negotiations because ultimately we need to be part of between Russia and Ukraine, but we need to be part of it. And it's important for us not just this is grandiose statements, what we're not going to do, and he cannot do this, and like really call all these different things, which agitate him too, but actually say this is things that could happen and try to find common ground to stop this insanity, because ultimately, if this insanity doesn't stop, it's going to be bad for all of us, and it can escalate further. So we need to help to propose some solutions, and hopefully sooner than later, because the more atrocities happen, the less likely Ukrainian people will be willing also to come to the table because this is just a suffering and killing to this extent that it's very difficult for them mentally then also to agree to something. So I think it's important to put pressure on Russia now that not just like a little bit poke the bear. You know, if you're going right. to poke the bear, you better and be able to talk with them. So Russia gets become serious about talking to Ukraine and us. Well, I still have 30 seconds. I only have 30 seconds. President Biden told Jackie Heinrich of Fox News that, yes, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. Congresswoman, is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? Well, I'm actually co-leading the bill that just passed the Senate with uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, and I do it on the House side. This, you know, I always say any thug and criminal should be, you know, not guilty until proven. So if he's an large, a large war criminal, and but the evidence is very strong, and I think... Eventually, he will be considered, you know, to be a war criminal, all his generals. But I think the mechanics of it is much harder to enforce. But I think we need to send a clear statement that what they do in this atrocity, this terrorism, the slaughtering of people and genocide is not acceptable. And not just him, but all people under him will be paying for this decision.
And you uh, and Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, having this press conference the other day on a war crimes resolution. That's what you're referring to. Congresswoman, I appreciate right. you taking... Just as the Senate, Tony, so working in the House now. Unanimous I appreciate you taking the, the time Senate. to be with us. I appreciate the updates, and we're going to talk more. Congresswoman Victoria Sparks, 5th District of Indiana, my member of Congress. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you. As always, more to get to. I'm Tony Katz.